hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be to all. And to your spirit. The reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Let us be attentive. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. The Lord said to his disciples, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Then Peter said in reply, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man shall sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many that are first will be last, and the last first. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before I get into sharing some words with you this morning on this Feast of All Saints, I just simply want to acknowledge that uh, this is probably a difficult Sunday for most of us because it's truly the first Sunday that Father Theodore and his wife and family are not with us. And even though he was on sabbatical and he wasn't here uh, very often the last few weeks, uh, there's still this sense of of loss and absence. And I, I feel it. And I acknowledge it. And I know that most of you here have to feel it and, and acknowledge it as well. Having said that, um, I have no doubt whatsoever, no doubt whatsoever that the same Holy Spirit whom we celebrated last weekend on Sunday and then the Monday of the Feast of the Holy Spirit whose name is also the Comforter, will also comfort all of us as we move forward in our own transition and our life in this parish. And I think the, and I know, the greatest thing that we can do to really honor the founding priest and family is to not just continue what they established here, but to cause it to grow even more. This is the way that we keep... um, that love and that spirit alive in, that, in the family that was here and all the work and that they poured into this community. And so we really owe it to them, but really mostly to God, because we shouldn't do this for uh, Father Theodore and his family. We should do the work, the mission of the church for the salvation of souls and for the glory of God. 
but we recognize the instrument of the person and the family that was here earlier uh, for 19 plus years. And so I just want to acknowledge that. It's not my sermon. I just want to acknowledge it. <laughs> Last Sunday we celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. On Monday we celebrated the Feast of the Holy Spirit. And today the church has us recognize all the saints from time immemorial that have existed uh, on this earth, both those recognized in the Old Testament and those recognized after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you take a look at the icon, this beautiful icon that's up here, I was hoping that there'd be an icon of it in your bulletin just so you could reference it, but you'll just have to take my word for it and maybe uh, see the icon when you come up here. But it's a very... um, busy icon. You know, some icons just have an image, one image, and, and some, because they're a scene of something, uh, it, there's more detail. But an icon like this would cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to write by an iconographer for the simple reason there's so many faces in it. And there's so much representation. And if you look at the icon on the bottom, on the left-hand side, you would see Abraham. And Abraham has this, uh, what's depicting a soul, holding a soul, a precious soul. And uh, that's a depiction of, of paradise, really. Because if you think of the account of the rich man and Lazarus, when the rich man went, uh, when he died, he was in the bosom of Abraham, which represents both paradise and the grace of God. On, on the other side, you have uh, Jacob, who's holding out a stretched cloth, and he represents the 12 tribes of Israel. And in between them, there's this man, and that man represents the thief that was on the cross, who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So the overall icon is taking place, so to speak, in paradise. And so we have these, this, this representation there. But that's on the lower half of the icon. But the vast majority, over three quarters of the icon, you have this lower, uh, very large circle uh, that it's sometimes referred to as a, a mandorla. And it, in it, within it, contains uh, Christ in the very center. Uh, beneath him is this table. Some refer it to as the table of preparation. And on either side you have Adam and Eve, the first created beings, bowing in reverence. Uh, and then you have these saints. This represents the great cloud of witnesses that St. Paul talked about. And in some icons, they're distinctly grouped in terms of ascetics, uh, holy fathers, apostles, etc. In the upper, upper corners, in some of the icons, you have King David on the left-hand side, who is the author of all the Psalms. Then you have King Solomon on the right-hand side. And a couple of his uh, readings were actually done at Great Vespers uh, service. What's beautiful about the icon, however, is that though this circle looks complete and it looks like it's pretty full in there, the reality is that there's room for more souls. And so today when we celebrate this feast day of all saints, we're celebrating family. We're celebrating friends, people, men and women and children who have gone before us and have been given this beautiful title of saint. And the word for saint in Greek is also the same word for holy in Greek. Agios. So I can say Aios Nectarios, Saint Nectarios, or I can say Aios Otheos, Aios Isiros, 
and this is holy God, holy mighty. So these are, this is the same word for two things. So a saint is someone who is holy. And holiness is achieved only through the Holy Spirit. And this is why the church has planted this feast day one week after Pentecost, because everything that we read about in the, in the first part of that epistle reading this morning, in terms of all the things that these, the saints and, and the prophets and, uh, and everybody, everything they were able to accomplish and endure, was because of one thing, and that was the operation of the Holy Spirit in their life. And this same Holy Spirit that has elevated these men and women to this level of sanctity, of holiness, of sainthood, is the exact same Holy Spirit as a gift given to us at chrismation through that mystery. And how much that Holy Spirit really operates in our life depends a tremendous amount on our will. Believe me when I say this, that the Holy Spirit wants to create holiness in every single one of you. The Holy Spirit wants every single one of you to become a saint, to become holy, to become pure in heart, to become loving and kind and gentle and merciful and understanding. Every single one of you to the fullest. The Holy Spirit wants that for every single one of us, to the fullest. The only thing that gets in the way is our will. When I choose something over what God desires for me or asks of me, then I choose not to have the Holy Spirit operate in me to the point where I can grow in holiness. And if I make successive decisions every day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, not only simply contrary to what God is asking me and and teaching me how to live my life, which, by the way, is not to enslave me, but to truly give me freedom from my sins and from a life of slavery. If I choose not to follow those paths, then I will every single day not allow the Holy Spirit to operate in my life, and I will never attain sanctity or holiness. This is something that our will, it's so important to understand that our will has to be engaged in our own salvation. God has given us absolutely everything, everything to become holy. There is no excuse for any of us not to begin that journey and to walk in that path in order to someday attain that. And it should never be out of pride. It should never be out of our ego, but out of our humility and gratitude and thankfulness that we even have the opportunity to do that. When we choose a way that Christ is asking us to choose, then we allow the Holy Spirit to operate and function inside of us, and then we grow in the image and likeness of Christ at that moment. And you know what that feels like. There's a sense of joy and peace the moment that that happens. This is why the saints, when they were thrown into a lion's den, never panicked. They never were overcome with fear. They never ran from their persecution because they had so much peace in their heart and in their soul and their mind because they had given themselves completely over to the will of God and the work of the Holy Spirit that to be in such a crazy place, which most people would just go into a sheer panic and freak out, they were calm as ever. And many times the beasts wouldn't even eat them. 
Because they sensed that. And they came up and they'd lick their feet and lay beside them. We have to realize how powerful our will is. It is, it, it is, it is life or death for us. And it's very easy just to be sort of numbed out by the world and the things and the pursuits that we have and to miss this opportunity day after day, week after week, and month after month. We miss these opportunities and then we wonder why we're so miserable and why we struggle and why life is so hard and why I can never have peace. People, so much of this falls on us. And the fathers of the church would say, and by the way, that's 1% God's asking us to do. I will take care of 99% of it, our Lord said. I'm asking you to do just 1%. And maybe he would even say, gosh, would you do it for a half a percent? Is that easier for you? Or maybe just a quarter? I I need something from you people because I can't do this without your will. We are given these beautiful, beautiful individuals in in our faith. Since the time of the resurrection of our Lord, this is why reading the lives of the saints is so critical for us in our development as Christians. Because we see in their lives the struggles that they had to overcome, the the, the sufferings they had to endure. But more than that, look for one thing. Because we we tend to kind of focus on on the, the traumatic things they had to endure. But focus on one thing. The love they had for their Lord. Because that's the only thing that truly motivated them to live that life. When they saw what Christ had done for them, had sacrificed and had given them, not only on the cross and through their resurrection, but through the Holy Spirit, and was offering them everything, every tool in the toolbox, to be successful in terms of their walk and their life in Christ, when we look at that love that they had for Christ because of all that He had given for them, then we see why and how they shot up spiritually. And this is the same thing that's available to all of us. All the saints, the cloud of witnesses that you see in this building on the interior walls, they had the same Holy Spirit that we have. They just utilized them in a, in a, in a more effective way. They put aside their will because love does not insist on its own ways. Right? When you read the lives of the saints, focus in on the love that they had for Christ because that was what motivated them to live the life to pursue, to cut off their will in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the goal of every Christian. You know the famous saying by Saint Seraphim of Sarav, acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand souls will be saved around you. Now you know how that happens. But we have to avail ourselves to it. And it's not a difficult thing, people. It's not a hard thing. It's not about prostrations and how many prayers you read. It's a simple surrendering of our mind and our heart and our soul and saying, Lord, I can't do anything. I can't do anything in this life. Whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, whether it's in the altar, at the chanter stand, or whatever vocation you have, know that you only have that because God gave it to you. So we have to use that to the glory of God. If we use it to our own glory, we're going to end up in the place where the rich man was. Because that is not only a misuse, but an abuse of what God has given us. We have this opportunity. We simply have to allow ourselves to be led and to be taught by the Holy Spirit. And that's a surrendering of our will. And that happens in everyday life in very practical ways. 
Love does not insist on its own ways, but it is serving to others, it is giving, it is merciful, it is kind, it is gentle. May we look at the lives of the saints whom we remember today, those we know and those who are not known by mankind. And may we give thanks to God for their presence in every generation, because our Lord raises them up as models to to pursue. As St. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen.